welcome to Game Sense, brought to you by Rookie Me Central. I'm your host, Michael Alvaro. Joining me today for a special combined edition of the show is Chief Editor Peter Williams and Women's Football Analyst Elise Collette. How are you two today? Yeah, really good. Looking forward to getting stuck into this after a bit of a break, but uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Ali? Yeah, good. Thank you, Michael. It's good, good to be back into the swing of things after a few weeks off. So, yeah. It is good to be back and we do have a jam-packed episode for you today. I'll run you through the agenda, of course, many talking points to get through from uh, women's footballing action across the country. First up, we'll be discussing the AFL women's finals result. Um, we'll also have a chat about the AFLW under 18s action. Of course, Vic Metro having a big win over Vic Country. There are a couple of squads out as well with South Australia and Queensland announcing their teams We'll go through all the fallout of round nine from the NAB League girls and look ahead to round 10's action. And then we'll also give you a couple of interviews which added to Vic Metro's Charlotte Baskerin and Jess Hosking of the Dandenong Stingrays after their respective sides wins on the weekend. All that and more in Game Sense. Let's get stuck into it. We're going to start off with a little recap of the AFLW final series and even a look ahead to the next few games. But of course, we did have one game this past weekend, and that was Fremantle upsetting North Melbourne by 38 points, 11-369 to 4-7-31. And um, Ali, give us a little rundown of that game, perhaps some of the key players there. It was an interesting one because at the beginning, North started had a great start and thinking, okay, North are going to win. They'll keep their undefeated run going and they'll they'll be the ones to battle Adelaide. And then Frio kicked into gear and just ran away with the game. And one interesting player in particular from that game was Kiara Bowles, who up until quarter time had only registered one tackle. And then the following two quarters, she registered 13 disposals and... You could you could see the connection between her getting into the game more and Fremantle's increased improvement, for want of a better phrase. So, and the other key stat from that game that I found really interesting was how many different goal kickers Fremantle had because they kicked 11 goals, which is a, a huge number for, for an AFLW game. But only Michaela Hyde kicked more than one goal. So they had 10 individual goal kickers, which is a bit of an ominous sign for the next couple of weeks, perhaps. Yeah, it may be. And obviously they do have Adelaide um, in the preliminary pre- preliminary final stage. That one's always going to stump me. Excuse me to all you listeners. What do you think? Do you think that they can get up over Adelaide? Obviously the Dockers keep proving us wrong. So is, um, is knocking off the Crows the next step? Uh, that's an interesting one because going off what they gave us against North yes definitely a contender but it is in Adelaide but the game I don't think the game will be at Norwood I'm assuming this this prelim will be at Adelaide Oval so that home ground advantage home supporter advantage is going to be a factor as well but I think Freo Freo have a better chance of toppling Adelaide than North would have let's put it that way yeah, fair point. And I just want to 
you know, put full disclosure on the fact that I did tip Fremantle, even though I did peg it as an upset in the intro there. But um, we'll move on to the other qualifying final, as it was posed. Um, Collingwood obviously having to pull out of that match against Brisbane due to not having any players left to field um, with the COVID outbreak at the club. So um, with that game rescheduled, um, I guess it's looking a little one-sided. Does it feel that way to you, Ali? It's an interesting one because, yeah, it, it. I think it's not going to be as close as, I mean, the other quarterfinal final was 30 points. But, yeah, the only interesting one because the Collingwood players came out of isolation. So that's always going to play a factor. Brisbane are going to be that little bit more refreshed because they've had the week off and... And, but last time these guys played in a in a prelim, uh, in a final, sorry, it went down to the wire. So I think Brisbane should do it because Collingwood are not, it's not the same Collingwood as last year. But at the same time, if there's an upset, I, I won't be the most surprised person in the world. Well, there wasn't much separating them, of course, in that final you mentioned last year. Sarah Rose kick we've all seen um, on social media again uh, recently, you know, went into the goal square and, and really should have gone over with 40 metres of momentum behind it, but bounced the wrong way and, and Collingwood was knocked out. Um, the rest is history. Of course, the Pies will probably have to bring in some more top-ups um, if a few of their players are still unavailable. They've got injuries as well to keep players we all know about throughout this season. But the last thing I want to touch on, Ali, Obviously, we talk about the week's break. Um, probably won't be as much of a factor for Fremantle and Adelaide given uh, both sides are going to have at least a week break. But um, for Melbourne, they'll have three off before they get to play um, their first finals game. So how's that going to impact um, coming in, you know, obviously with Collingwood and Brisbane, um, you know, in, in the thick of action beforehand? Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one because it's, it's kind of an unprecedented situation because... Only when you win a pre win through to a prelim, you get a week off. Whereas this is going to be yeah, three weeks, as you said. So I think for a side like Melbourne, it won't be such an issue because it'll give them time to fix issues that they had they had in that round ten clash. They don't have injuries to worry about. So yeah, I I don't think it'll be a hindrance, but. I I just I just really don't know. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, um, it's going to be interesting. There's always the argument that Melbourne's going to be fresher, or or will they get jumped at the start? So, um, yeah, it'll be an interesting clash to watch. But thank you for that, Ali. Of course, from the elite level stars to the next generation of exactly that. After the break, we're going to take a look at the AFLW Under 18 Championships, which kicked off on Sunday. Sunday saw the start of this year's AFLW Under-18 National Championships. Of course, that one going down in Ballarat with Vic Metro 11-8-74 defeating their, well, I guess, local rivals, Vic Country 3-3-21 at Mars Stadium. And um, it, was an, it was, you know, a comprehensive kind of beating, Pete, in the first half. Um, eight goals to nil. Uh, I think most of us were a little bit shell-shocked coming out of that. So, um, most importantly... Who raised their stocks from that game and, and who were some names that, that really caught your eye? 
Well, it's going to be a pretty tough uh, sort of ask for anyone to crack into that big Metro side the way they played, though there could well be a spot. Uh, obviously, Zoe Barbacos uh, raised her stock to the point of where she got drafted after the game. So that that was a fairly good effort, kicking three goals and, and then getting drafted not long after. So... Uh, very impressive effort from her. Um, I, I thought most of the Metro standouts were the ones you'd expect. Um, Sophia Hurley, Jazz Fleming, you know, Charlotte Taylor, Ava Jordan, all the ones you expect. Um, there, obviously, Riley Wilcox, um, I know we've spoken during the week that um, she was someone who I think benefited from having that stronger midfield. She definitely looked really, really impressive on the outside and obviously been a part of a, a team that's sort of struggled this year. She's uh, it shows what she's capable of. She still played well this year, but she's definitely done really well in that regard. And for me, I think for country, the player that really stood out or, or raised their stocks further uh, was Taylor Gatt because Taylor Gatt, for me, um, you know, she averages sort of between that eight to maybe 14 disposals at NAB League and she had about 18 on the weekend, um, which is actually yet yeah, more at the higher level. So it shows that she can adapt her game because I feel like if you're an outside player that doesn't win a heap of the ball, you're going to go one way or the other. You're able going to be able to adapt your game and still perform at that level, or you're going to basically have about five, four or five touches type thing and, and really struggle. But she showed she was the former, and I think that's really, really impressive. And the other one for me from country uh, was Jamie Lee Speakman, who I think uh, after being out for a long-term injury recent years, this was sort of her real debut season, if you like, at the NAB League Girls she was uh, really, really impressive in that defence. Now, obviously, um, it was down there quite a bit. Uh, they were dominating that first half in particular, but she was just very, very good with the ball. She moved into the midfield at some points, like she pushed up the ground anyway. And um, she only had the nine touches, but it felt like she'd had sort of 20 touches. That was the impact she'd had on the game. So I think for me, she's someone who's gone from a possible draftable type to someone who I think a lot more clubs will consider off the back of that if she can continue her form. So she's definitely one I think is very good. And again, we're sort of looking at those teams, um, you know, Speakman, Wilcox, same thing in teams that have sort of struggled when they're at other teams um, or against better players, obviously country still struggled. They were able to stand up and, and really impress. So, um, and from players that could come in, I think Olivia Robinson, uh, we'll talk about her after, but she's the clear standout for me uh, that deserves to come in and, uh, obviously Metro have to try and find a forward. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see what they do about that. But uh, did you have any thoughts on who might come in? Um, look, it might not be um, a fix for the forward line, but they could rotate the side. Obviously, Jacinta Hose was in the squad uh, and missed out. She played for the Rangers this weekend and did kick two goals. So um, maybe they throw someone like Jess Vukic forward. They have Russell and, and Hose rotating through the ruck and that could be their, their forward um, cover. But... Um, I'm not a selector. We'll, we'll see how that pans out. There were certainly some really um, impressive performances on the weekend. So very much looking forward to the rest of the carnival. And I'll take you through those fixtures as well now, of course, uh, most of them or all of them taking place in April. So Vic Metro, they take on Queensland in Queensland and Vic Country takes on South Australia at Adelaide Oval. So two, um, yeah, I guess diverse travelling destinations there. And then, of course, the carnival will come to a head um, at Avalon Airport Oval later on where Vic Metro takes on Western Australia and Country takes on Queensland. Um, it is a little bit of a shame, Pete, that we, and we should note that Vic Metro won't take on South Australia. I think that's the matchup that we both um, were looking forward to as maybe the top two, um, the top two sides in this carnival, but it's not to be. 
Anyway, I'm going to throw to a quick interview that I had with Charlotte Baskerin on the weekend. I spoke to her for about the 17th time this year. Um, we discussed all the talking points um, out of that great victory from Metro. Of course, she was skipper for the day. Um, and after the break, we'll head into uh, a little bit of a chat about the South Australian and Queensland AFLW under 18 sides. Here with Vic Metro captain Charlotte Basker and after their big win over Vic Country out in Ballarat. Charlotte, how are you feeling after that one? Yeah, good. It was a really good win. Uh, we all played like a team and we really connected out on there considering we only have an, we've only had a few training sessions, but no, I'm really proud of the girls. And it must have been nice, obviously, connecting with some familiar faces in the midfield. Tell me, I guess, who played well and who you're really happy to connect with through the engine room there today. Um, I think the midfield group as a whole, because I, I was playing in there, so we all connected really well, um, clearances and stoppages and yeah, just our um, chain of handballs, yeah, it was really good, but overall, all the girls played really well. And you got to shift uh, into the forward line a little bit after you dominated the midfield in the first half. Um, what was that experience like, even though the ball didn't get down there too much? Yeah, it's definitely different. Um, I'm not up forward that often, but it's good to show my versatility and I'm lucky I didn't get to kick a snag, but no, all the girls down there played their role. And have you looked ahead in terms of the carnival to who you're playing and, and maybe a few of the players that you might get to match up against? Um, yeah, I've had a little look. Um, nothing too serious just yet, but um, I'm sure when it comes up to it, I'll have a look again. You aware of the name Ella Roberts? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what do you think also? We've got your number three in our rankings. Um, some pretty good names around you. So I guess what's that like being, being recognised for your form this year? Um, I'm definitely proud of myself and I'm very happy, um, but obviously wouldn't be able to play this good without all the coaches at the Jets and school and all the girls around me. Yeah. And what are you looking forward to, I guess, for the rest of the year? Obviously still with the Jets, hoping to make finals and, and then with Metro as well? Yeah, um, we actually are playing finals because we won yesterday, so I'm extremely excited to, yeah, um, hopefully get all the way and take the flag. Awesome. Well, congratulations again. Looking forward to seeing more of you. Thank you. <laughs> well Thanks. That was yours truly and Vic Metro and Western Jets star Charlotte Basker and chatting post-game after Metro's big win over Vic Country. We now move on to more AFLW under-18s news with South Australia and Queensland releasing their state squads. Um, Pete, first off, let's have a look at South Australia. And, um, you know, this is obviously a very draft-related kind of chat. So we'll start with the 2004-born talents who are eligible to head to the AFLW at season's end. So tell me, who are some of the standouts for the Crow Eaters this year? Well, I think for me, uh, you know, someone who's been a standout that's probably somehow flying under the radar due to injury at carnivals is Hannah Ewings. Uh, in my power ranking, she was ranked at number two, which is obviously very high for someone who hasn't had a lot of, uh, I guess, national champs experience since about, I think, the under-16s. Uh, but... She's a very, very impressive youngster, um, strong overhead, strong in the core, um, got plenty of highlights. Uh, she's able to win the contested ball, get out to the outside and win the uncontested ball. She's just a real sort of complete player. Um, and I think the thing that sort of separates her from, say, the top pick, Ella Roberts, is she's a bit shorter, so she's about that 167. Um, she's a little stronger, but um, obviously she's sort of that more able to play midfield forward, uh, but on that sort of smaller types, um, but just not quite got the runs on the board and, and, and maybe slightly less athletic, but she's still incredibly good and her kicking's very, very high level. Uh, and then the other one in the AFLW Academy is Keely Kusterman. She's out of West Adelaide and she's a really well-balanced player. I, I, I think Kusterman, the best way to describe her is there's not much she does wrong. She's just ticks a lot of boxes, very consistent, clean user of the ball, 
She can play inside, outside, half back, half forward, wherever you like her. She'll play uh, a role and she'll play midfield with Ewings, you'd think, in there. Um, and, and then the other one is Sarah Goodwin, who's that outside player who will really benefit from a strong inside brigade. She plays off half back with Glenelg, and obviously Glenelg are an incredibly strong team. She's a premiership player from last year. She's very silky, got the athleticism, can dart in and out of sort of contests. Uh, you know, she, those outside traits are very, very good. She's one of the better kicks in the draft uh, and definitely one of the better movers. So uh, obviously she does predominantly play outside. So it'll be interesting if she does get any inside time, but certainly from an outside perspective, she's one of the top ones to watch. And otherwise it's probably uh, Lana Schwartz, probably the next one out of Norwood. She's um, she's just a really good hard at it midfielder who, um, you know, good skills as well. She's pretty good all round, sort of like that ticks the boxes, similar to Kusterman, um, just a bit lower across the board. But as a whole, she's still a very good talent and, and someone who I think that uh, clubs will consider uh, going forward for this year. And somehow, Pete, maybe the most exciting part of this squad um, are the underages. So we know that we've got girls all the way down to sort of 2006 births um, included in this under-18 squad. So um, run me through a few of the names to watch and, and I guess those names who are going to be in that team for, for years to come. Yeah, uh, look, this is an amazing squad. Uh, unfortunately, the rules restrict them to only have uh, for a maximum of three per game. So they will be restricted in who they pick. So um, for starters, we'll start off with Shay Archbold. She's um, a strong forward. So that 173 height. So she's plays as that key position type. Maybe slightly undersized, but she's very strong. Um, leading the league in marks, contested marks and goals. Um, so, you know, she's a, a good forward. She's likely to win the leading goal kicker if uh, the champs don't stop her. So she's just someone with an elite left foot. She's fantastic. She's a pick one contender in a couple of years. And, and also right beside her is Georgia McKee out of Central's. She's a lot shorter. And I feel like if she was about 10 centimetres taller, she'd be right up there um, in contention with anything because she's uh, as ambidextrous as you like. She can kick 40 plus meters on both feet. Just so skillful, her game sense, footy IQ, um, knowledge, everything like that is just through the roof. So she's someone who's really exciting. Um, you've got uh, Matilda Schultz through the ruck. She's um, 187. She'll probably be 190 by the time she hits her top age year. She's um, actually quite athletic. Uh, so you know, she's got good pedigree. Um, both parents have been very successful. Um, her mother played Australian netball. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, athleticism in that family. Uh, and then also India Rashid is another one who, similar to Archbold, great left foot, just fantastic up forward, good leader, um, and, and one to watch for that year. And then, of course, for next year, so it's a little one year ahead, uh, Piper Windows is a standout one with Shania Goody. Uh, both are going to play midfield, you'd think, with Kusterman and Ewings in there. Um, Goody uh, is a very skillful all-round type talent. She just, um, you know, her work rate is elite. She gets back so well. She'll cover the ground quicker than anyone else uh, when she's running defensively. Uh, and I think she's the best um, user by hand over distance. She can open a game up sort of with that 20, 25-metre handball. She's just fantastic in doing that. Um, and then where window is more of your, a bit rougher in terms of your, uh, I guess, disposal, but she wins a lot of contested balls. She just cracks in, she's able to get the clearances and she'll be the one that's burying herself 
uh, under the packs and getting it out to her teammates. So she's obviously, both of them are 05s and ones to look for. And obviously, unfortunately, we'll be without Lauren Young, who'd be the top pick for next year uh, and won the South Australian MVP last year. So uh, if they had her, it'd look even stronger. But yeah, the midfield's looking pretty ominous, as is the forward line for the future. Absolutely. A really good diverse bunch there as well um, of talents overall. But while we're on the topic of South Australia, let's uh, run through the Sample W round six results as well. I'll read them out for you. Four games, of course, as usual. Uh, the first one, North Adelaide, 12-10, 82 defeated Norwood, 3-2-20. Glenelg, 7-5-47, got up over West Adelaide, 3-3-21. Central District, 6-6-42, defeated Sturt, 5-6-36. And South Adelaide, 9-3-57, defeated Woodville West Torrens 7446. So just quickly, Pete, uh, what'd you make out of the weekend's action? Anything stand out to you from those results? Well, yeah, the 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 bottom of the ladder team beat the top of the ladder team, which is a fairly impressive effort. Um, yeah, Central District came in with a one-four record and and Sturt were undefeated, uh, five zip. So they look to have them. Uh it, it's fair to say though, Sturt were heavily understrength in the defensive line. Their sort of entire half back was out. So they didn't have Alex Bella. They didn't have Kira Mueller. Um, they, they were missing quite a few players sort of. And of course, India Rashid up forward has been missing for a little while. Um, they lost Zoe Prowse um, for Adelaide duties and, and Jasmine Hewitt in the ruck for Adelaide duties. Um, and of course, Central District have one of the best state league rucks in Isabel Starmer, who then took complete control over sort of the second and third rucks uh, for the double blues. So it was a perfect storm for Central. It was one of those games that, if they were going to cause an upset, this was going to be it because Sturt was sort of wounded in that way. Uh, and Sturt didn't lose any admirers either. They they performed really, really strongly throughout. And to be honest, it looked like they were going to get the job done. They went a few goals up late in the third, but um, then Central just came home, kicked three goals in the last quarter and, and got ahead by a goal and just held on. So, um, yeah, it was a fantastic effort. And that was the game that sort of really stood out to me. North Adelaide uh, are playing Glenelg next week and that is going to be an absolute cracker because uh north just yeah destroyed norwood uh, another big loss at the parade for for the red legs so they'll play glenelg who are you know always in good form they've just been ticking the boxes each week and they easily accounted for west adelaide they came home really strongly and then of course south adelaide they're back in the top four despite you know as we said at the start of the season going through a bit of a rebuild weren't really looking at premierships but they're they're in that fourth spot don't know if they can hold it but they're certainly looking good at the moment and they just got the job done over the Eagles. So, uh, but yeah, definitely central district was the talk of the town for round six. Yeah. Awesome result there for the Bulldogs. We're going to shift from South Australia to Queensland. Now we can get both Ali and Pete involved in this chat, but Pete, I'll throw to you again. First, of course, um, we alluded to the Queensland side being announced for the AFLW under 18 championships. And I want you to do the same thing. Basically take me through first um, the 2004 born talents, uh, the top ages in, in the Queensland uh, academies, and then perhaps uh, run me through a few of the futures to look at across these championships. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, well, three of these players ended up in my power rankings. Uh, and, you know, starting with Alana G, I had her in fifth, which is a bit high for um, a lot of Queenslanders in the past. I know I had Tegan Levi quite high when she played, but Certainly, um, you know, Alana G is just, I feel if she was in Victoria, she'd be talked up as clearly one of the top handful of prospects. So she's got that athleticism. She's got the skill. She can use both sides of her body, um, play midfield, back or forward. She just, she ticks enough boxes that at the end of the day, you just go, yeah, she's just too good. 
Um, and she's clearly the standout Queensland prospect. Uh, and then if you go to the captain in Imogen Evans or the captain of Gold Coast, um, she's another one that uh, just ticks so many boxes. She's just neat. She uses the ball well by hand or foot. She's a great leader. She can go forward and hit the scoreboard. She directs traffic. She's good overhead. There's just a lot of uh, really good prospects about her. Got a high endurance rate as well. She missed eight months of footy. So she's only played a few games since then. And the first game, she looked a little rough in the start. And then she really got into it. Or, or I should say at the end, she sort of ran out of steam. But this last two, she's been absolutely perfect. So, um, yeah, she's someone who's really moved up, in, in my opinion. Uh, the only knock on her would be perhaps her speed. But um, she works it really well, playing that inside role. Um, and then if you move on to uh, the ruck, obviously Fleur Davis, sister of Giselle, she's um, she's someone who is right up there with Lauren Wackfer. She's uh, a little bit different, a bit more athletic, not quite as consistent in marking, but certainly from a forward impact perspective, she's definitely got her there. And and certainly I think her skill as well is a bit, bit higher in that regard. So she's definitely got her, uh, you know, uh, impressive traits. So I think she'll be one to watch and, then you've got sort of the skillful outsiders like Jasmine Smith, who um, a little bit more clean at ball at ground level, uh, improve her game. She's a wing slash sort of small forward. Uh, the Cockatoo Maltlap sisters, they're just, you know, human highlight reels. They're over ages, but human highlight reels that can kick goals from anywhere. Um, and, and both of them have done it. It's been absolutely fantastic. They're obviously coming down to Bond Uni too. So uh, quite a few of those names there are. Uh, and then if we quickly look at Brisbane, obviously they haven't had the, the best of carnivals going down to, uh, Gold Coast twice, plus uh, the Western Jets there. But Alice Smith's the AFLW Academy member and inside hard at it midfielder, wins a lot of the ball, just accumulates it uh, really well on the inside. So she's someone that I think Brisbane would consider. And then her partner in crime on the inside there is Ava Seaton. So she's someone who, uh, yeah, will crack in and, and win a lot as well. So they've got a good inside brigade that they'll uh, add. So I think Queensland as a whole, if we're summarising both the academies, their midfield's really, really deep. So I think that uh, when they do take on Vic Metro, they'll have the the deep midfield to be able to do it. I know Vic Metro's quality is that little bit better, but the top end of uh, the Queensland midfield is still pretty good. So I think their depth will match it with them. It'll just be a case of sort of perhaps in the defensive end, I think they might be a little bit um, weaker than uh, the other teams, but certainly, you know, they've got a, a enough exciting forwards as well. So it'll be good to see, but... Yeah, I think the midfield battle will be where it's uh, where it's interesting uh, against the other teams. And just a few of those future ones to watch as well, Pete? Absolutely. So Tara Harrington's the standout one for me. She's someone to keep an eye on it from the 06 crop. Um, she's, uh, yeah, she's just outstanding. Her skills are, are as good as anyone I've ever seen. Um, she comes off halfback really, really well. She can play midfield. They've slowly been graduating her into the midfield because she's going to be a future midfielder. Um, and she's just such an exciting talent. She's someone you want the ball in the hands of. Her teammates want it. She reads the ball well. She runs. She takes the game on. Um, and, yeah, she's took her a couple of years, which is remarkable. So she's someone to watch. Uh, Nayali Milne's another one from that group. She's, again, really exciting, just really raw. She kind of takes off. Um could be a bit more composed and a bit more cleaner with ball in hand. But when she goes, no one's catching her. She's as, um, for Victorian listeners, she's probably even quicker than Amber Clark. So that that's basically the speed she's got. Um, but yeah, just needs to sharpen up a few areas. Um, Havana Harris is the ruck who's been rotating with the Suns uh, with Fleur Davis there. She's actually really good at second efforts. She's good in the ruck, but then she gets around the ground and can find plenty of the ball 
Um, she had around 20 touches, I think, in one of the academy games. So she can find the ball around the ground, which is really good, and play forward. For next year, you've got Josie McCabe. She's probably the standout from the Suns at this point. Um, and she's just a mid-forward, um, can rotate either. Uh, really good at that link-up transition play, I think, getting it in midfield, getting it inside 50, and uses it pretty well. So she's probably one to keep in mind, uh, yeah, for the 2023 draft. Awesome. Well, of course, a lot of these players are going to be uh, starring in the Quaffle W, which starts this weekend. And I know, Pete, both you and Ali have been speaking to some representatives from those clubs. So, Ali, uh, tell me, um, maybe a few of the, the dot points that you've got written down and, and some uh, key tidbits from some of those clubs in the lead up to the season. Yeah, I've had a few interesting chats with a couple of the clubs during the week. University of Queensland, UQ, reigning premiers. It's a new, they're not really dwelling, like they're not really talking about premierships. They didn't really do that last year either. So new year, new group, new beginning, I guess, to... Um, Put it that way if you want. Um, on the other end of the ladder, um, Paul Wilson Grange had a, had a wooden spoon a year last year. They've got a new coach in, former assistant uh, Mark Wilkin, who's been the assistant there for a couple of years, has stepped up and he's aiming to get that side to play more four-quarter footy and ho ho hopefully that will see them rise up the ladder a bit this year. And... We all know anyone who's been watching the news recently will have known about the horrific floods that have been happening up in that part of the world at the moment. And one club that's been badly affected by that is uh, Yoronga because their their clubhouse, their their ground is right on the edge of the Brisbane River. So that's that got flooded and they've had a very disrupted pre-season. They haven't been able to access their ground for weeks. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects the, um, particularly the beginning of their season. Yeah. And then there's also uh, Bond Uni, um, which has got quite a few of the uh, academy recruits that have come in, which is really exciting to see. Um, you know, you I sort of mentioned earlier, Imogen Evans coming in, Jasmine Smith. Um, they're really good. And um, I think they're going to be a, a competitor again. They've got the Motla, uh, Cockatoo Motlap sisters coming in. Um, and then, of course, you've got, um, you know, uh, Southport with Fleur Davis. So they've got quite a, a bit of a stacked team as well. So they're, of course, newcomers, which is going to be really, really exciting to see them come in. And Corporu are the other team I spoke to, which are, uh, they're really excited. they got a new coach as well. Um, so they're really looking forward to getting stuck into it. And I think that they're going to be pleased that they can use their state league talent because they back their state league talent um, over a lot of other clubs. So it's going to be really good to see them uh, get stuck in too. So I think Corporal will be very, very interesting to watch. And of course, there's um, quite a few teams that will be battling for the premiership this year, I feel. So it's going to be a pretty exciting time. Of course, all starts this Saturday, Michael. Yeah, very much looking forward to catching a bit of Quaffle W action, of course, with you too. But that's another state ticked off. We're going to head over west to Western Australia and uh, they don't have their under 18 squad announced yet. So we'll go through the Waffle W results from round five. Of course, I'll read through the three games for you. First up, we had Claremont 8-9-57, defeating South Fremantle 2-4-16. East Fremantle 12-16-88, defeated West Perth 1-6. And Swan Districts 7-8-50, defeated Peel Thunder 5-3-33. So, Pete, we know that you did a, uh, a bit of a player focus, a player of the week style 
article this week, but apart from that individual performance, was there anything outstanding about those team results? Uh, well, I think the weekend largely went to, uh, I guess, expectations, if you like. The only game that was really going to be a 50-50 uh, with respect to the other teams was going to be the Swan District's Peel Thunder Clash, of course, a grand final rematch. Peel Thunder have been hit pretty hard by um, the... They lost a few of their talents at under-16s level. Georgia Haynes went back, so she's out. Um, they lost uh, a few players to injury or... or uh, health and safety protocols. Uh, so they're missing missing a few from there. Obviously, Jade Britton's one of them that came out and they lost a couple of experienced players as well. So Swan Districts um, had the strongest side in. Uh, it was pretty close. Peel Thunder actually hit the front in the third term and then Swan Districts sort of ran away with it really impressively. Um, they've just got such a great side overall. So I think from that perspective, and I know we'll talk about one of them in a moment, but um, yeah, I, I just think that they've got a really strong forward line ash sharp the Fremantle docker who uh, obviously took the season off uh, to have her child um there's also taylor edwards down there who's playing really really well um and the player that i'm about to speak about abigail bushby so yeah well tell me a little bit about bushby's performance um i, I know that you labeled that as her her best performance thus far she's a youngster in a top age year and um, yeah, well, what sort of made her stand out this week? What did she do differently that um, put her on the radar for you? Yeah, so she's played four games this year and two of them were 10 touches and then two were 12. She did play deeper forward, it's worth mentioning, uh, kicked a couple of goals. So she's usually a, a half forward to deeper forward type player. Um, and this week she had 15 by half time. So she'd already topped it comfortably uh, and ended up with 27. So she was someone who really had a standout game and it was benefited by the fact that Tara Stribley was out, uh, I think, injured. So she uh, actually got a lot more time in the midfield, particularly like on a wing and even pushed a half back and got a lot of the ball. So um, she's a player. She's got a left foot. So she's, uh, you know, they're generally better kicks. Um, she's still ironing out some consistency in that regard. And there's still little things she can tweak to her game, but um, she's got some exciting athletic traits and she knows where the goals are and, certainly can link up, works hard, and she's clearly got the endurance uh, base, I guess, if you like, to to really get contest to contest. So she's someone who's got a lot of potential, and I'm hoping that, uh, yeah, if she can keep building up and uh, improving, that she'll put herself in a, a good position to be considered to be drafted. Absolutely. Some very good, uh, exciting Waffle W action there. And if we're going to tick off, I guess, the rest of the states and territories, big shout-out over or up in the Northern Territory to the Darwin Buffets, who defeated Nightcliffe um, 4-10-34 to 2-4-16 in the NTFL Women's Grand Final. Of course, Dominique Carbone claimed the Williams medal for best of field in that match. So congratulations to the Buffs. Big win there. And speaking of the Northern Territory, they'll be featuring in our next segment as we land back in Victoria. We're going to chat about all things NAB League girls after the break. But now we'll throw to another chat of mine, this time with Dandenong Stingrays, winger or halfback, uh, Sarah Hosking, not to be mistaken for Richmond's midfielder, um, of course, but she spoke to me after being captain for the day in her side's big win over the Northern Knights. Hi. I'm here with Sarah Hosking of the Dandenong Stingrays. Sarah, first of all, congrats on the win. How are you feeling after that one? Yeah, super good. Um, loved seeing all the new girls come in. We've got five maybe debutantes. Um, they executed their role so, so well, and it's so good to see all the youngins come up and play awesome footy. 
and you're not necessarily a new girl, you're an 03 birth of course, one of the overages. So talk to me a little bit about your role today with so much talent out of the team for Vic Country. Um, how do you sort of step up and become a leader for those girls? Um, yeah, obviously um, today running out as captain, um, it's a big big shoes to fill. Um, we've got a few good leaders at the club and obviously excellent to take some young girls under my wing and kind of guide them through um, what it's like to be in the top team and, and a really good team to play in. Um, but yeah, it was so awesome to get that opportunity and I hope do it well. Yeah, absolutely. And talk to me a little bit about your role today. Obviously on a, a pretty big ground here at Parade College, um, playing off halfback and then the wing, lots of running to do. Yeah, so much running, which is um, really good. And I feel like um, that's my main role is to run, get back and um, obviously really hard off the halfback. Um, obviously Northern have a really good uh, forward line and love to play like some running carry as well um, so made my job a bit hard but it was good um, and obviously on the wing was really good to get that opportunity obviously with Taylor Gatt out and some girls out with the country good to step up and fill some shoes there as well. Yeah who do you think played well today? Um, I think obviously Talia on the other wing she smashed it for a debut um, it's going to be hard to really keep in the team but I think she's one of those girls that does have a spot of really well like written spot in the team. Um, also Liv Robinson really played well, executed her role. Um, yeah, a couple of other girls um, did really well as well but obviously can't name them all. <laughs> yeah, um, and like on the same sort of path you've got so much talent in the Stingrays this year, obviously most of them um, featuring in that country squad and, and you're an emergency so um, what's it been like I guess playing with such a, a quality list throughout the 2022 season? I feel like um, training mainly, like we're all pushing each other. It's so hard to get into our team and like that pushes the younger girls up. We're all training so hard. We're pushing each other. We're training very hard on each other and that's making us all better as a team and individually too, we're all stepping up. So it's excellent to see. Yeah, is there anything you're looking to improve on still as the season draws to a close? Um, anything you're still looking to achieve both, uh, I guess, individually and as a team? Um, individually, I think skills can clean up a little. Like I'm working really hard on my kicking at the moment, trying to get that nailed because obviously running and stuff does not like there's no point doing it all if I can't get it on the boot but as a team I think we're really doing well I think it's just about um, knowing our roles because when we do play our roles we're doing it well and it's obviously paying off for us so um, to improve on is just like maintaining execution of roles and once we get that right I feel like we're off. Awesome I'm oh, looking forward to seeing you out there for the rest of the season good luck. Awesome cheers so much. Thank, Thank you. you so much. That's all awesome. That was Dandenong Stingrays captain for the day, Sarah Hosking, chatting post-game after her side's win over the Northern Knights. We'll now get stuck into some more Nabali content and discuss the penultimate home and away round, which was round nine, before looking ahead to round 10. Of course, I'll read out the results from all six games first, and then we'll discuss a couple of the talking points. But first up, the Western Jets 8-8-56 defeated GWV 2-2-14. Danny Nong Stingrays, 5-9-39, got up over the Northern Knights, 2-6-18. We had the Eastern Rangers, 14-9-93, defeating Geelong, three straight 18. Calder Cannons, another Metro winning side, 7-10-42, getting up over Sandringham, 3-4-22. Over or down on the Apple Isle, 16-17-113 was a Tasmania Devils winning score over Bendigo, 1-1-7. And rounding out the action, Murray Bush Rangers, 8-6-54, 
defeated the Gippsland Power at 7-5-47. So Pete, um, let's start on a big one. Of course, we heard from Sarah Hosking, but her teammate, Olivia Robinson, was arguably the player of the week. And we certainly saw it that way as we gave her that nod. So um, I guess in terms of what you've seen for her, from her already this season, um, what's made her stand out? And, and why do you think she was perhaps one of the unlucky ones not to play in the Vic countryside on Sunday? Yeah, well, um, I'm going to use your words and say I'm not a selector, so I, I can't really <laughs> answer that second one. But I, I, I think certainly, uh, I think she definitely deserves to come in uh, for sure. And the reason I think that she's had a really impressive season all year uh, is the fact that, you know, she's able to win the ball in the midfield, win the ball at half forward, go forward, potentially hit the score. But I, but I think the thing that really stands out for me when I've watched Stingray's games this year is her ability to be that link-up player in transition. She's the player that uh, is really reliable with ball in hand to be able to kick inside 50 and spot targets. She's got good vision. She puts it to the right spots and she's able to also run and be able to dispose of it fairly cleanly. Like she's able to just put it um, into dangerous positions. And I think that that's something that is really important in a side. And she's someone who you know, it's always difficult to stand out in a team like the Stingrays where they've got so many quality players. But I think she plays a bit of a different role to a lot of the others. Like you've got your insiders, you've got your outsiders, you've got your permanent forwards and, and, and things like that, and even defenders. But she sort of plays that hybrid role, that high half forward, if you like. And I think on the weekend, obviously, getting that chance to stand up without those uh, really high quality players, your Amber Clarks, your, say, Emily Shepherds from that midfield group, Taylor uh, Gatt on the outside, um, Felicity Crank on the inside, Charlie Ryan, like these kind of players that were out, um, uh, even Charlotte Blair out of that midfield group, like because they were out, she was sort of the, the the standout, the top player, if you like, to go into that midfield group. So I was excited to see what she could do. And uh, obviously based on, on the way she performed, she looked like she played pretty well. Yeah, she absolutely did. I was there um, at Parade College on Saturday, my old stomping ground. And she did um, the Michael Alvaro pocket pretty pe- uh, proud, excuse me. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously you say there she was, the, I guess, the standout with a lot of that talent out for Dandy Nong, and, and she really was. She was a go-to in a lot of situations. So, um, you know, whether that be for, for the handoff inside 50, you know, the coaches were screaming, uh, you know, Robbo, handoff, you know, they wanted her to be that one to to kick the goals that Emily Shepherd and Jade Anthony have been um, in those situations and, at the stoppages, she was always the one that was hit too. She seemed to get her hand on the ball, um, you know, more times than, than anyone else. And that showed in the final stats. And, um, yeah, it was just a really complete performance. I think you touched on all of her best traits there. Um, she just looks a pretty natural type of footballer. So, um, yeah, it'd be nice to see her get some recognition in the representative side. But, um, as you say, we're not selectors. So, um, we can only hope. But... Of course, uh, Dandenong, they're one of the, or the only undefeated region left in the NAB League girls as we approach finals. And we know that they're top of the country pool. The Metro pool is also decided in terms of the top two spots with Eastern and Western. But we might have uh, some interesting um, propositions, I guess, in this last round, Pete, with, uh, with regards to the second country spot. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, obviously, you've got Geelong Falcons who are likely to finish second. They're sitting there at the moment. But I guess seeing the ladder on the weekend, uh, you've kind of look and you go, they should get there. They're four points ahead of both Tasmania Devils and Murray Bush Rangers. But their heavy loss to the Rangers on the weekend really knocked them back a peg. 
Um, and the thing is, of course, Tasmania Devils had that massive victory over Bendigo Pioneers. So their percentage is that much higher than, uh, than the Falcons. So it's going to be a real interesting one that the Falcons have to win to, to stay in there. I don't think Devils will get the win because they do play Dandenong in the last one, which makes it really, really tough for them. But the other threat for Geelong is the fact that Murray can actually grab that second spot and they play the Northern Territory, which, you know, you'd expect them to win and in fairness to the Northern Territory win pretty well. So, um, although again, the percentage won't matter because their percentage is already far above Geelong's and there's no way, like it's 12%. So Geelong are not going to be able to make that up anyway, really, um, unless they produce a similar performance to what Tassie did the week before. But at the end of the day, it won't matter because Geelong, um, they win, they're in. Um, But if they lose then they're probably out. Murray take that second spot, which makes it really interesting. And I think it's probably more interesting than we thought coming into the final round because we kind of assumed it was always going to be Geelong or Tassie coming in. But Murray has sort of snuck up uh, very cleverly there. And you have to kind of wonder, it goes back to their game against Geelong earlier in the year where they had every chance to win and they just sort of, uh, you know, dropped the bundle, if you like, in the last couple of minutes and, and conceded a couple of goals and lost in the final few seconds. So had they won that game, this was they were second. So, I mean, you turn that around and it shows how much a result can make a difference in a season, really. Absolutely. And it's all going to be decided in round 10. And Pete, I'm going to run through each game with you very, very quickly just to get your tip and, and maybe I uh, guess what you think of the overall matchups. So on Saturday, Calder against Oakley at Highgate, 10.30 a.m. Um, I guess a bit of a dead rubber of sorts, but who's uh, the favourite there, you think? I think Calder will be the favourite, um, especially at home. Uh, they've performed strongly enough. Uh, I think they've just been more consistent as a whole. We know Oakley have the top enders and then a whole heap of young talent. Calder were able to blood some young talent on the weekend, which is exciting. And for me, once you're out of the finals, I think that that's what this is about, trying to blood that young talent. Obviously, the representatives will come back. But I think of the players... Uh, that are outside those representatives, it's it's time to bring some of them in. And the older ones will probably go on to play VFLW. So it's a good chance in the final round to potentially give some of those next year's prospects perhaps bigger roles and, and, and more influential kind of positions because they're not going to play another game uh, for this season. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it should be a, a, an interesting clash. But I think, yeah, Calder have just been too consistent. So I'm going to stick with them. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Calder as well. Next game, Geelong against Bendigo, of course, um, might have ramifications, if I can get that word out, on second spot with that up for grabs. So um, who's taking it out at Deakin University? Yeah, uh, look, I I mean, it's yeah, you've got to go with Geelong, I think. Again, similar reason to Calder. They've just been so consistent. But just for the pure... Um, excitement factor of the final, you know, six games. It would be good if Bendigo got up just to sort of make it a bit more interesting coming in. Realistically, Geelong should get it done, especially down at Deakin. Um, Pioneers just haven't had that consistency. We saw last week with a few players out, they kind of got, you know, smashed. There's no other way to put it. Um, so uh, I think that they're just not going to have the depth to be able to match the Falcons who are pretty deep as a whole. And, um, are ticking along nicely. I think they obviously had a couple of losses, but uh, yeah, I think Geelong at home, um, yeah, will win and, and seal up that second spot. Yeah, hard to look past the Falcons. I think they'll bounce back for a win before finals there. Um, two of the lower ranked sides in their respective regions, of course, Gippsland and Northern go head to head at Churchill, another 
home game for the power um, and their last chance to get a win in season 2022. So do they get it done, Pete? I, I mean, I really hope they do because Northern have had a win. So um, I hope Gippsland do and everyone can complete, um, have a win for the season. They came so close to Murray last week, which would have been a massive upset. Um, and obviously Northern uh, are not quite as strong as Murray this year, um, but they will probably gain back their stars, you know, Riley Wilcox and Ava Jordan. But, I mean, it, it would be a great story if Gippsland can win at home, who I'm still not sure if they've tra- – have they travelled outside of home? Because they seem to be there <laughs> just about every week, I think. Hey, um, look, I won't complain. The hospitality is very good there. Absolutely. It's, I love getting out to the regions. But, yeah, it's absolutely – they seem to play there, I think, more than anyone else, um, any other ground. So, oh, it's fantastic. I hope the home – crowd will get around them and yeah look I'll, I'll tip them for this one hopefully they can get up they, they might have got some confidence and momentum out of the last one and yeah look I'll go with them for this one yeah I'm very tempted to do the same but of course I have to stick with the Knights one last time um, and I'll back them for their second win of the season rounding out Saturday's action though Dandenong Stingray has come up against the Tasmania Devils at the hangar bit of a neutral territory clash there um, of course, the Pios um, and uh, Geelong game is uh, a, a bit of a factor on this one as well. So, um, yeah, Tassie have to win to have any hope, but is Dandenong going to spoil that party anyway? Yeah, I, I think they will. And, of course, the, the I guess, elephant in the room is if Bendigo did win against Geelong and then Tasmania did beat Dandenong, they'll be playing them again next week. So we'd have both the finals up again, uh, you know, two weeks in a row. But I look, Tasmania were fantastic last week, especially without, you know, Claire Ransom and Priya Bowering. Like, you know, they lost a couple of their best stars and um, they still managed to win by over 100 points, which is, you know, really impressive. Uh, Danny Nong, if they were under strength, perhaps, like if they had their uh, country reps out, you'd, you'd say Tassie could be a chance. But, yeah, no, they're, they're all coming back in. I've said all season, I can't see them losing. So, yeah, I think they'll have Tasmania covered for this one, particularly in Victoria as well. And, uh, yeah, game at the hangar, which is quite interesting. That's right. Very good facilities out there. And, of course, the Mick Malthouse of the NAB League, Peter Williams, saying Dandenong, or he can't see Dandenong losing a game. So, thanks for that. I agree. Um, so, that'll be that. On Sunday, we're going to have the Murray Bush Rangers coming up against the Northern Territory, of course, the last of the Northern Academies of, of sorts, if you can classify the territory as that um, they're going to be playing at Highgate Recreation Reserve and um, Murray will know I guess um, will know whether they can make second or not uh, before the game starts but um, will that impact the result at all you think Pete? Uh, no I, I think Murray have got this game covered fairly comfortably either which way because um, at the end of the day they're going to want to um, come away with a big win and they've been really impressive this year I'm more keen to see, obviously, Northern Territory, who they put out. Annabelle Kievit's been played pretty well as a bottom major up there. Um, obviously, it will be interesting if we uh, manage to see Janome Anderson coming out, the AFLW Academy member. Um, you know, they've got Grace Whitaker's another one to keep an eye out for next year. So they've got a few good talents, um, but obviously they usually have a few more experienced 19, 20-year-olds potentially that come down and um, add some experience. But... Uh, yeah, I just can't see how they're going to be able to handle the uh, the Murray midfield uh, or forward line, really. Um, so, yeah, I think Zali Goldsworthy is just in ridiculous form. Um, and, and with Zara Hamilton in there and, and Keely Skepper coming back, it's it's just a stacked midfield. Uh, and I don't think that, uh, yeah, Northern Territory will be able to do it. So 
for me, I, yeah, I, I think Murray will have it. And certainly if the second uh, is on up for grabs, if the Pioneers get it done, then they're going to be really, really keen to, to uh, stamp their authority if they like and, and go out on a high. Absolutely. And I think um, this will be a pretty entertaining one to watch given how both sides typically like to play. So surge forward at all costs and, and get your run going forward. I think that'll make for some nice viewing. Um, and as you say, Zali Goldsworthy, I think is in, I guess, medal winning form. Um, that's not a spoiler to anything. But the next game, of course, Eastern Rangers come up against the Western Jets uh, in Hillsville, I believe. That one at 11am on Sunday. Um, and the, the top two Metro sides, they're going to have a bit of a hit out before finals. So who gets up in this uh, preview for the postseason? Yeah, no, that uh, it'll be interesting to see how they go about it because you'd imagine that Eastern won't bring Bridget Deed back to finals if they do. Um, and Western obviously will return with their star midfield that was missing last week. Um, their under-16s last week really stood up. Uh, Lulu Field and, and Sierra Greaves are a couple to keep an eye on. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they perform off the back of that with those players standing up and now bringing back, you know, Charlotte Baskerins, Montana Ham, Crystal Russell. Um, so it'll be really good for that. Um, but yeah, I think that as a whole, I think Eastern should still get it done. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be more interested to see the tactics, I guess, uh, which ones uh, want to show everything and, and which ones might leave uh, a few cues in the rack for next week. And we know that, of course, both sides have had some important players play rep footy. And I think it'll be interesting to see the team selection there as well, as you kind of alluded to. But I'm going to back the Jets in this one to get the win before finals. And whether they can back that up remains to be seen. But the last game, the last regular season game for the 2022 Nabali Girls season, we'll see the Sandringham Dragons host the GWV Rebels at RSE, RSEA Park. I was about to sing R-S-E-P-E-C-T. Anyway, who's winning this one? Yeah, uh, firstly, appreciate you didn't. Secondly, <laughs> um, I, look, I, I think, yeah, Sandy will have this uh, job done. I think they're a little bit better than perhaps their ladder position suggests. They have had the four wins, which is um, which would have put them in contention for the second spot in the country pool. So a bit unlucky they're going to finish fourth overall. Percentage well clear of uh, Oakley, who are fifth. So... Um, yeah, I, I think they're going to just have a bit too much. They should get their midfield back of Hurley and, um, you know, Coyne and, and Hipwell. And um, just it'll be interesting to see what happens with Barbacos now. She'll probably go play Hawthorne. But um, will she get a final send-off in the Dragons' colours? Possibly. Um, but then, obviously, the Rebels will gain back Paige Scott, um, who returned from injury, of course, after missing quite a few Nabali girls games and, and everything. So, uh, and Jamie Lee Speakman as well, uh, and Molly Walton. So it'll be really good to see how they go, but I think Dragons will be too strong. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I think they can finish their season with a bang, but after a jam pack episode, I'm absolutely buggered, and I reckon Pete Williams is too as he takes a swig of water. Yeah, as I said, that's all we've got time for in the latest edition of Game Sense. I'm going to thank Pete and Elise for joining me today, of course. We'll have our usual coverage over on central.rookiemeet.com slash AFL for all the players and teams mentioned today. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. And make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Central, so you never miss a beat. I've been your host, Michael Alvaro. Thanks for listening. We hope you tune in next time.